The following is an installment of Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything. For more information, an audio archive, and a blog, visit toeradio.org. It's always hard to park on a Friday or Saturday night in the East Village because you've got everybody who lives here, plus everybody who wants to hang out in the, the epicenter of cool in the universe. John McBride is a longtime resident of New York City's East Village and a neighbor of mine. Recently, he requested I meet with him at the corner of First Avenue and East 2nd Street. He said he had a very important surveillance story to share with me. So I'm driving up First Avenue and I cross uh, East 2nd Street. And after I, after I go through the intersection, I realize I've just passed a beautiful parking space right on the corner in front of the senior citizens, well, the middle-income senior citizens uh, hotel. So I hit the brakes. I'm backing up uh, to, to go into this parking space on the uh, north east corner of uh, First Avenue and East 2nd Street. Then I noticed my competition in the form of a late model red uh, candy apple colored minivan. He's, uh, he decides to turn the corner probably against the light in order to snatch my space away from me. I can't fully take the whole space because he has now turned the corner and stuck the nose of his car where the tail end of my car needs to be in order for me to park and go about my business in the epicenter of coal in the universe. And finally I get out of my car and walk over to his car to see who it is I'm actually dealing with. Turns out I'm dealing with a white male, shaved head, tattoos coming out of of his t-shirt. You know, he seemed to be the kind of guy who worked in one of these these super-duper hot-rod motorcycle project garages that, you know, the kind the kind you see on these TV shows where they make, you know, half a million dollar motorcycles for, for CEOs and things like that. He seems to think that the space is his. I, I laugh and say, of course not. This, I, this is my space. I'm in it. And he says to me, you can't back up into a space. At which point I laugh mockingly and say, haven't you ever heard of parallel parking? Uh, <laughs> I, was in, I was mocking him incredulously. I, sh- I probably should have been a little bit more uh, reserved. He told me if I didn't move my car, something bad would happen to it. I could see this, wasn't, this was going to take a while. So I got back into my car and pulled out my cell phone and uh, called 911. Uh, I told the dispatcher that I was in a parking dispute and would she please send a patrol car. Actually, as I finished the call to 911, he came over to my, to my car door and uh, pulled on the handle to open the door as if uh, possibly to pull me out of the car. I saw him coming out of in my rearview mirror before he got there, so I locked the door and rolled out my window a bit and we exchanged more words. And finally, he got back into his car, probably realizing that I had called 911, went into reverse, and drove away. But not before I was able to get out of my car and jot down his license plate number. Finally, the police car showed up. They took a wide uh, right turn, crossed traffic, and pulled towards me as I waved, indicating that I was the... uh, the victim of the day. Um, the driver of the police car stared straight ahead, wouldn't look at me. The other officer just sort of grinned and said, Sounds like a Seinfeld incident, huh? 
I said, yeah, well, you know, the guy threatened to do damage to my car. He was, if, if I didn't give him the space, but I, he finally gave up and drove away. But I did get his license plate number. And the officer said, okay, well, good luck. And they drove off. I figured the worst was over. <clears throat> I went to Dempsey's to meet my girlfriend, Monica, and uh, she wasn't too happy that I was, I had been so, so detained. Uh, of course, I explained to her that I got into a, a parking dispute, and that seemed to smooth things over a little bit. After having a few drinks at the bar, we, uh, we went over to the theater and saw the new Superman movie. On the way back from the movie theater, we were walking down First Avenue. Uh, after we crossed Third Street and got closer to Second Street, where the car was parked, I looked across the street and saw that there appeared to be vomit on the hood of my car. As I get closer, I realize that there is not vomit on the hood of my car. Actually, there's, there's mountains and rivers and valleys of, of what, what used to be a nice shiny paint job on the hood of my car with a big metal bald spot where the paint was completely stripped bare. And I now realize that he had come back after I'd left and poured some type of acid on the hood of my car, which caused my paint to bubble up and drip all the way down the hood of the car, over the painted bumper, down my license plate, and into the gutter. Amazingly, there's a there's a cop car sitting right directly across the street. So I run directly to the cop and say, listen, I, I had this altercation with this guy and we were fighting over parking space and, and I, he didn't want to move, but I had it. And then finally he drove away. But before he drove away, he, he threatened to do something to my car. And I wrote down his license plate number and I have his plate number. And, and if you just look up the guy's number and then I'll, I'll confirm that that's the car and that's who it is. And I know who did it. And he threatened and, and this is, this is an open and shut case. And my car is right across the street, as you can see, with all the paint has dripped off the hood in a starburst pattern. And he looks at me and he says, Hey, buddy, you know he threw acid on the car, and I know he threw acid on the car, but do you have a witness that says they saw him throw the acid on the car? Well, no, I don't have a witness, but he was here and earlier, and something can surely be done. So the cop says, Hey, man, listen, I, I sympathize with you. It's, it's tough out there. The, the, kind of, the kind of craziness I see every, every night, you, you just wouldn't believe the kind of things people do to each other. But there's not a lot you can do unless you have a witness or, I don't know, he said, gesturing. Maybe you can, maybe one of these, maybe the laundry or the, the village restaurant and pizza or, the, or the, the deli or the bar, maybe they have a video camera that recorded this event and they drove off. So I went across the street to the uh, New York Village deli. And I was hoping that maybe they had a video camera that was pointed in the direction of my car. And if so, they may have recorded the bald guy with tattoos pouring a cup of acid of some sort onto my car. Well, unfortunately, they didn't have a camera. And I tried the same thing at the new Double Dragon Chinese restaurant right there. And the uh, Village Restaurant and Pizza, which has chicken chop steaks and seafood, um, next to that and none of them had a camera and I didn't think the laundry the laundry center in the corner didn't seem to have one either 
Well, I came back across the avenue, across First Avenue, to the Village View Apartments, which is seems to be a naturally a naturally occurring retirement community. And I was hoping that maybe some of the old folks had been sitting out on the bench at night and had, had witnessed this horrible, horrible young man throwing acid on the hood of my car. But there was no one there, and there didn't seem to be a video camera in the lobby. And I don't know. At that point, things started to sink in that that justice was going to be difficult to achieve in this situation. Now, my neighbor John McBride may not be the type of guy who's willing to throw down in the middle of the street with a swarthy, large, tattooed guy, but that doesn't mean he's willing to go down without a fight. In fact, the following morning, he says, he skipped his weekend brunch and made his way to the East Village police station. I went over to the 9th Precinct, which is over on Avenue A, and uh, I walked in and I talked to the to the policeman at the desk and told him what had happened and it seemed like a broken record. He immediately said, but do you have a witness that says you saw the man with the tattoos throw the acid on the hood of your car? And I, I just think this is the way they, they handle these things. They just, there's just, there's no witness and it's not a murder. There's, there's not a lot they're going to do. So we went back and forth and I, I, I reinforced to him that I had the license plate number and I told him that it was a jersey plate, SPT 760, or possibly SPT 760. His response was, oh, you don't even have the license plate right. I said, come on, I mean, it's either an O or a zero at the end. It's only one of two, and I, I know what the car looks like, and I can sure as hell tell you what the guy who drives it looks like, too. The cop said, well, you know... We can certainly keep this in the file, and maybe if it fits into some sort of pattern. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it was crazy. What kind of... I said, look, what are you talking about, a pattern? I mean, where does the pattern start? Where does it stop? The guy threw acid on my car. I have his license plate number. I, I know what his tattoos look like. Let's go get the guy. But I didn't have any such luck. So have you given up hope then? No, there's... Uh, there's just one last chance that I have to get the justice that I so earnestly crave, and that is somehow through the listeners to your podcast, maybe we can locate someone was, who was here in the epicenter of Cool on the night of July 8th, 2006, who was walking down First Avenue and crossing East 2nd Street and saw this horrible perpetrator with a bald head and tattoos on his arms with a cup of acid in his hand, tossed it onto the hood of my car, destroying the look of my 1995 Subaru. And somehow this person will, will email you and give them your, your, their contact information, and you will hook, connect me with them, and the two of us will go hand-in-hand hand to the 9th Precinct on Avenue A and, and go in the doors and tell these intransigent police officers who just aren't interested in my case that we have enough evidence to put this man in prison for the rest of his life. Do you really imagine that um, there's someone listening to this podcast that actually saw this event in question? I, I, I truly do.
So, my dear listeners, this is a rare opportunity. If you were walking the streets of the East Village on the night of July 8th, 2006, and if you happened to witness a large bald-headed man throw acid on a car parked at the intersection of 1st Avenue and East 2nd Street, then you qualify to be John McBride's secret camera. See the website for more details. Void where prohibited. You've been listening to Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything. For more information, an audio archive, and a blog, visit toeradio.org. Alt, alt, alt. Alt, alt.